92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk. Welcome back. We are now less than three weeks away from Election Day. One of the most closely watched and important races in our area is for the open 13th Congressional District seat. Democrat Nikki Budzinski facing Republican challenger Regan Deering. Regan Deering is here with us this afternoon by phone. It's our first chance to talk to her during this general election campaign. We appreciate your time. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate getting a chance to uh, speak to you in front of your audience. Let me just start by asking, uh, what, what's your mood? How do you feel here in these final three weeks of the campaign? We're feeling great. Uh, every day we're out on the trail talking to voters who are really pretty frustrated with the administration and their policies that aren't working for them. You know, the cost of everything is up and, um, you know, we've got crime that's up as well. And people are just ready for a change. You know, we've we've given Democrats one party control in Washington and we clearly need to check some balances on them. So we're getting out and we're talking to people in all different kinds of communities and places, whether that's small businesses, community meetings, um, you know, actual uh, retail politics. So a little bit of everywhere and people are glad to see an actual candidate show up in their neck of the woods. <laughs> I, I want to start with one of the issues that you just raised. Now you've uh, talked about this a lot during this campaign and that is inflation. Can you speak a bit to what uh, what policies you are supporting? What would you be pushing for in Washington that could make a difference in those high costs? Well, I think that if um, those in Washington had listened to the experts, you know, who on a bipartisan nature were talking about how all these huge spending bills were going to jack up inflation, we probably wouldn't be in this situation. So certainly as one of the first steps in getting to Congress is going to be putting in some checks and balances on the spending and reprioritizing, um, you know, good tax policy, good um, incentives for small businesses to continue to work. I mean, we need to make sure that you know, we've got good paying jobs and our economies are going to have uh, strong small businesses and we can ensure some less regulation as well and encourage them to grow and continue to hire. That's going to make a difference in our economy. Um, you know, when we've got uh, we've got economic advisors that we're supposed to rely on, we really need to turn to them and uh, make sure that we're not just writing blank checks that are con- con- going to continue to drive up prices. When you reprioritize spending, what spending becomes a low priority? What sorts of things do you want to see reduced or eliminated from the federal budget? Oh, boy, where to start? Um, I think, it, you know, just kind of an across-the-board checks and balances in various departments. You know, when we all talk about um, our home budgets, or I have been a small business owner as well, you know, when you've got to tighten the belt in a budget, you really kind of look at across-the-board places. I think that a lot of uh, Americans are frustrated by some of our overseas spending. Um, you know, we've got to take care of people right here at home when we have, you know, food insecurity and homeless people sleeping on the streets. Um, you know, it feels a little disingenuous to be spending billions of dollars uh, out of our country instead of trying to shore up here at home and making our our, uh, our families a priority. Would that include Ukraine? Should we be spending less to, uh, to support Ukraine in the war effort against Russia? Well, I mean, we all can recognize the humanitarian crisis and the absolute need to push back on Putin and his overreach. Um, we have spent them billions of sent them, excuse me, billions of dollars, and we. I think that our focus should be on, you know, gooding good policy and being able to stabilize that relationship from them. But I do think Americans feel like, you know, we're putting uh, more spending for that conflict in things, you know, like last minute 
continuing resolution bills. And so, I mean, I think that's a place that Americans would feel comfortable just scaling back a little bit. On the issue of federal spending, there's been some talk this week. Some of the uh, Republicans who are hoping to become the chair of the House Budget Committee should uh, the GOP retake control. Uh, They've talked about uh, possibly withholding support for extending the federal debt ceiling until they get certain accommodations. Uh, And so I want to ask you on both sides of that equation, starting with the debt ceiling. Is that something that you, you would be inclined to, to vote against an extension of that? Uh, would you put conditions on voting in favor of it? Uh, wh- where do you stand on that? Well, I know Republicans um, as a party are definitely looking at reigning in our spending. I mean, the debt ceiling, not having been an elected member of Congress, I'm sure it's a very nuanced conversation, um, but certainly knowing that we can't just continue to write blank checks and uh, increase the the national debt. I mean, we're passing this on to our children and our grandchildren, and I myself feel that uh, close to home. So I certainly would like to participate in that conversation about limiting that debt ceiling. You know, Congress has a very low approval rating, and that's on both sides of the aisle. And most Americans want us to go to work, stay in there in Washington in Congress, and really hammer these things out. So, I mean, I think having some strings attached is not a terrible idea when we really need to get to um, a hard number and continue to put um, Americans first. One of the strings that's been uh, talked about is uh, related to Social Security and Medicare, uh, doing some things to, uh, to bring down those costs, maybe raising the eligibility age, maybe means testing benefits. Should there be some uh, further limits or alterations to Social Security and, and Medicare along those lines? Well, those two programs are earned benefits, and I think that people that have paid into those really expect the government to try and do everything they can to protect and support those programs, which I'm in favor of. Uh, Means testing is something that I have heard uh, conversations about. I think there are um, those in the upper limits of wealth that might be willing to sacrifice their benefits, knowing that we could have a larger pot. Uh, of money for those that need it and rely on it and will continue to be on a fixed income. You know, one of the big concerns is for a lot of those uh, seniors is their retirement accounts. I mean, we can talk about preserving Social Security and Medicare, but when we have those that we're able to save and, um, you know, their savings accounts are are dropping by about 25%. I mean, I have family members that have talked about being afraid to open up those third quarter reports, and that's not an unusual thing I'm hearing on the trail either. Talking with Regan Deering, Republican candidate in the 13th Congressional District. Uh, Let's talk about crime, another issue that I know you're hearing a lot about on the campaign trail. Talk about some of your specific policy proposals to, uh, to make our streets safer. Well, you're absolutely right. Crime is out of control. I just uh, attended a prayer breakfast in my own uh, hometown uh, neighborhoods last uh, last morning, yesterday morning. And um, the widow of an officer in Chris Oberheim, who was killed in the line of duty last year at the hands of a violent criminal, just gave a plea to elected officials to be able to um, be more intentional in their policymaking and their legislation. She is tired of her blue family, um, you know, being taken down and criminals being uplifted. And I think that she says we need to send a very clear message. And that starts at the top with the federal government. We need an attitude that is going to support our law enforcement officers and put some, you know, pretty strict, uh, you know, laws and legislation in place when we have, um, you know, criminals looking to murder our law enforcement officers, that really needs to come with um, some serious crimes. And, you know, we've got to be able to take a look at our prosecutors and our DAs as well, who are refusing to prosecute some of these crimes. 
And I think that that would make a huge difference if we could really, um, you know, lock up these criminals and keep them there until they have their day in court and not allow them back out on the streets. In Illinois, we've got the Safety Act, which is eliminating cash bail. And a lot of the officers have been doing ride-alongs with the Sheriff's Department and with the Police Department. They're most concerned about uh, victims being re-victimized by criminals that are let back out on the street. How does Congress uh, step in uh, for a prosecutor or DA that decides not to prosecute a particular case? How, how do you uh, force them to do that if they decide that's not something that they should be doing? Well, I think we need to set an expectation. Um, you know, we can talk about actual penalties. I don't know those off the top of my head right now but you know when we continue to think that the republican party and their commitment america is talking about you know hiring more police officers we need to recruit you know that morale is way low and i talked to a number of our different county reps and they say you know we're we used to have a line out the door we'd have 400 people uh, applying for about 10 positions and now if we have two or three positions we're lucky to get 10 or 15 candidates and that's definitely not a place we want to lower the bar when we're looking to have the best of the best um, those are going to take the job very seriously, um, commit to training and, and knowing that they are keeping our community safe. So, you know, they have talked about um, recruiting bonuses and, you know, defunding potentially um, those that are bad actors, if you will. But a lot of the, the um, defund the police narrative really talks about these unfunded mandates here in Illinois as well. That's part of the Safety Act is, is knowing that we're we're uh, putting some of these smaller departments in a terrible position to have to make uh, cuts to their hiring or even potentially raise taxes. Here in Illinois, we've got some pretty high taxes already. We're not looking to add to that bottom line. Let's move from crime to uh, ethics. The Better Government Association is out this week with a report on your opponent, Nikki Budzinski, talking about some of the money she has made in uh, consulting uh, after leaving government employ. Uh, and you have been speaking out about this. Uh, what, what's your concern there? Well, my concern is her hypocrisy. You know, she has made her platform as a candidate talking about working class families and getting dark money out of politics. And she is a political insider that's continuing to work that game. You know, I have come from an outside position to know that as a representative, I want to work for the people. I mean, she's calling me an out of touch wealthy heiress and she's spending millions of dollars, um, you know, in her campaign negative ads about me and et cetera. And I think that she needs to come clean and answer for this article. I mean, I have put out a statement, but I haven't heard anything from the Bedzinski campaign um, just addressing the issue and how she can um, talk to the people about how her, um, you know, her political positions have helped and uh, furthered her career. You know, she just moved back here to central Illinois. She hasn't voted in the 13th congressional district in almost 20 years. And so if you're going to come and say you're going to represent the hardworking people here of Illinois, you really ought to be uh, in this community and knowing what's top of mind for our constituents. What What's discussed in this BGA report, it's not illegal, correct? It's just it's more a question of just uh, the, uh, I guess, as you pointed out, the hypocrisy of it. Yeah, I mean, it's people are tired of pay-to-play politics, and they're tired of inside scoops and um, special relationships and candidates being funded by special interest groups, because then it makes you wonder, who are you really going to work for in Washington? Another ethical question that's been talked about a bit is whether uh, there should be a ban on members of Congress engaging in stock trading while in office. You get access to information the average investor doesn't get access to. Uh, should uh, there be a, a ban imposed on stock trading by members of Congress while in office? I would absolutely support that ban. 
A couple of other questions real uh, quickly. Uh, if Republicans do take control of the House and Senate next year, there are at least some members who have talked about wanting to impose a nationwide ban on abortion, which would take that issue out of the hands of states. Would you support such legislation if it came before you? No, I would not support a national ban. Um, I was on the record talking about how I appreciated the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision returning uh, the abortion issue to the states. I feel like it belongs closer to the people. Now, having said that, we live here in Illinois, where we have very radical uh, late-term abortion and fully taxpayer-funded abortion. The governor has made very clear that he is looking for federal dollars to continue to be a mecca um, here in Illinois for surrounding states that have made their own legislative decisions. And I have a problem with that. You know, no one is challenging Nikki Budzinski on her extreme positions in uh, supporting abortion all the way up until live birth. And, you know, I'm a, a mother of two uh, teenage girls, and one of the pieces of legislation that's most disheartening to me, and she's actually advocating for on the national level as well, along with codifying abortion, should Democrats retain control is the removal of parental notification. I mean, we should not be allowing minors to have an extreme medical abortion without, um, you know, the input of their parents. One last question for you. You were a little noncommittal on this issue during the primary. Did Joe Biden win the 2020 election? I do believe that, you know, as I vote every election, I am respectful of the results, and Joe Biden is serving as our legitimate president. That, okay, that's free and fair election. That, you, so you do consider the 2020 election to have been a free and fair election? I do. Regan Deering, how do people find out more about your candidacy in the 13th Congressional District? Well, we've got a website, Regan, the number four, congress.com. We are on uh, various social media sites under the same name, uh, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're always looking for people to uh, follow us along as we hit the trail every single day. If they want to be involved as a volunteer, we need door knockers and uh, phone callers. And we would love to have them join our movement to uh, to hang on to this seat for Republicans 